Welcome to The Organic Advocate. I'm your host, Taya O'Carroll, the founder, CEO, and farmer behind Yield Organic. Here at The Organic Advocate, we get real about the challenges and solutions to organic agriculture. Today's an exciting day. We've got Lou Douglas and Don Smith in the house with us, and we're going to be talking about soil health, microbial action, innovation in agriculture, all from Earth Agriculture. So welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Taya. Thank you. Absolutely. And I know not everybody might be familiar with earth agriculture, but we're here talking about it because we think they should be. So can you tell us a little bit more about earth, like how you came to be? Sure. Absolutely. Well, just the kind of the rudimentary blocking and tackling were California based uh, in the greater Salinas Valley. I was uh, invited many years ago, 15, 18 years ago to be on the board of a natural fertilizer company in the Southeast U.S., and felt uh, quite a long time ago that uh, that company needed to mature towards organic and that there would be a very big market for organic uh, produce as uh, we move forward, both on the farming side and on the consumer side. And so it was that belief and knowledge that uh, started to uh, incubate the idea of creating earth and that through the creation of earth agriculture, we could have a significant impact on how crops were grown through microbial action, so almost akin to biomimicry, if you will, and that this could be a vehicle in which uh, on a global basis, it could scale, we could feed the world, we could protect watersheds, we could have a significant impact on climate change and eventually start uh, contributing to its reversal. So it really was uh, the beginning of what we now understand as regenerative ag. Don, what would, what would you say? Well, the first thing I'd say is that we need to clarify that Earth is spelled U-R-T-H. Very good point. I agree with Lou. Microbes rule the world. And that is kind of what we work on. How do we get this workforce that works 24-7, doesn't form unions, and et cetera, and is just a really, really uh, able to expand rapidly and do all these beneficial things. So we feel like if, if you can get that functioning, then everything moves up from there. Some people say that microbes are at the bottom of the food chain, but I like to think of them at the top. I think that's a great way to look at it. And with that, so I can only imagine we're talking microbes. I mean, what makes your products bring that microbiome to life? And I'm sure we're going to be talking about plant health as well as soil health. I think that's a really interesting point you bring up, Tay, and we talk about it quite a bit. Many of us can remember uh, 20, 25 years ago, when we were standing at a grocery store that the cold case aisle was dominated by basically two yogurt companies. And now in any given grocery store, we stand there and there's 30 or 40 lineal feet of different (laughs) products. And not only are we looking at 30 or 40 lineal feet, but when we turn around in that aisle, then we're looking at a number of uh, shelves full of digestives, enzymes, and probiotics. So we now know that the human gut microbiome needs to be in good stead, needs to be healthy for us to be healthy. And if it's not, we're not healthy. And if it's in really bad shape, well, 
things are not very good for that human body. So the exact same thing is true in the soil microbiome. So we believe that we are uh, at the end, approaching the end of a 80, 90 plus year experiment with petrochemical based fertilizers. You all know that the fertilizer industry was really spawned out of the Second World War uh, in Europe through Norse Hydro. Uh, nitrogen is not bad. NPK is not bad. I just think that the pendulum has swung too far and we tend to use a little too much of it now because we've changed the chemistry of our growing environments from a living, uh, functioning ecosystem to dirt. And so through that change in chemistry, we have to kind of hit the plant and that environment that much harder to force them to grow. So this really brings back the idea that we live in about mimicking nature or nature inspired. This is what occurs in an old growth forest. We've got lots of material degrading. We've got very high fungi bacteria counts. The same is true in the Great Plains. The same is true in jungles. And it, we all know that those environments are extraordinarily productive from a biomass perspective. Don, you got some thoughts on that? Ultimately, it goes back to what I was saying before. We focus on trying to improve the quantity and the quality by providing things like trace minerals that might be available in the soil, but they can't really get released without the right enzymes. And those enzymes are being produced by the microbes. So you've got to get those microbes multiplying. And so we want to provide foods that stimulate microbial growth. Once you get that going, your plant's going to have more access to nutrients. It's going to become healthier. And there, you know, there's lots of ways to do it. Do you do it as a foliar application? Do you do it in, in the soil, et cetera? But ultimately, healthy soil moves towards a healthier plant, which then ultimately makes for a healthier human. And that's really what it's all about. And Don makes a really good point. This is really, as we start looking forward in this space of regenerative ag, this is the intersection of healthcare and agriculture that the more nutrient-dense the fruits and vegetables that we're growing through a balanced growing environment, that microbiome is feeding our human biome as well. So it's a, it's a really uh, significant and interesting perspective to look at. One other thing I'd like to add to you is earth agriculture, we feel that our greatest contribution is to demonstrate on large industrial operations, whether organic or conventional, that microbes can have a significant impact on the bottom line. And that's where we believe we can uh, get everybody's attention. We don't initially make it about the environment because we're, we're already, all of our products are organic. We're already uh, talking about true soil fertility as defined by microbes. But what we need to do is really think of this space as driving production, because whether we're speaking to our largest farm in the Pacific Northwest uh, that's well into the six figures acres, or 
our smallest stakeholder farmers in Central America on a co-op of coffee growers, it's all about an increase in production. So we have created an imbalance in these environments that has created issues. We're here to not only address those issues, but we feel that our, the greatest impact we can have as a group and as a company is on the uh, on, on large farms uh, and or organizations such as Yield Organic that has a group of entities that are interested in discussing this this space. I like the words that you chose to use, nature inspired, because I think that best describes, no pun intended, bringing us back to our roots and how we build that <laughs> immune system, right? How we build that immune system, not only in the soil, but within the, the human body and it's it's fascinating when you truly look at things on how interconnected everything is. And as a farmer, we look, we walk this every day and you feel that interconnectedness with mother nature. And the difference is it's like bringing everything back to optimal health. It's not that anybody was necessarily doing anything bad. It's just bringing it back to optimal health. And like you said, we're, we're focused on yield. Everybody needs to be profitable and doing the right thing all together at the same time and the highest elevation of nutrient density within that food. So guys, I know you want to talk about a particular product today. It's a foliar application. It's called the ProTech Answer. And what I'm curious about that is one, to know more about the product and how to apply it and all those things, but also talk to me things about like a farmer. We want to know what's it going to do, how much is it going to cost, how do I apply it, all those things. So can you help me out there? Sure. I'll do the easy blocking and tackling stuff. And then Don's in charge of our product development. And so Don can jump in on some of the more detailed characteristics. The product comes in a wet format two and a half gallon jug. The application rates are uh, anywhere between 14 and 18 ounces an acre on application. It is organic. And so we tend to be preventative. We just assume not, not apply it in a 911 call that there is a huge pest infestation. Although some farms have done it where they, we bump the amount of product up. It is $150 a gallon. So at 14 ounces, an application, an acre, it's a little over $16 an application. The product is a plant food. This is really important. I, I want to say it again. This is a plant food. Okay. It is not a pesticide. That said, we do have a number of large farms, conventional and organic, that use it, and they've seen reduction, if not significant, reduction in predatory pest issues. And there is a body of evidence being created and added to all the time. Peaceful Valley has some information out now, and there's a number of uh, locations on the internet about organic ag advisors have been looking at bricks, and the product really kind of mimics or fools the predatory pest that this can be a higher bricks plant, and that if the bricks are up, then the physiological makeup of some of the, some predatory pests don't have the ability to assimilate high bricks or high nutrient density. So that's what uh, it's all about. It is kelp, sugars, and electrolytes in the form of fulvic. I like the idea of it being a food and being trace minerals, sugar, kelp, things like that. So as an organic farmer, 
one of the things that's important to me is, do you happen to be OMRI certified? Good point. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Okay. And so you, you make a good point about plant food. You're really getting a twofer in the use of the product. But yes, we're OMRI listed. And I guess the reason I use the word food is because maybe not all the listeners out there to the podcast are familiar with bricks. Okay. The reason I say food is like, Lou's talking about is increasing nutrient density and increases the sugar levels in the plant. I don't know if you want to expand on that anymore. Sure. There's a tool called a refractometer and it's literally you squeeze a few drops of your plant that you're growing onto this device and you can look through it. It sounds like you've used one before. It's a very simple device and the higher the bricks generally speaking, the healthier the plant, the better it's photosynthesizing, et cetera. And when you get to a certain level of bricks, your plants are basically, I don't want to use the term invisible, but they're not a food source for the insects. If you think of it, you might've seen a crop growing and you have one area where let's just say aphids are just chowing down on your plant. It's not affecting your whole crop, but it's in a concentrated area. Well, why didn't it affect your whole crop? There's some reason that they're concentrated there. And that could be as simple as, oh, the sprinklers aren't reaching there all the way, or the soil in that section is missing a key element or something to that nature. If you can just picture the healthy ones, the insects aren't attracted to that, just like a lion might take down the weak wildebeest. It's the same exact analogy. You've got a sick plant and the insects will take it out. That's their job. They're the cleanup crew. So they come in and, and take it out. But if you have a high bricks plant, it's generally really healthy. And the insect knows that's not a food source. And that's it's pretty fascinating research when you when you really delve into it. So our goal is to increase the health of the plant so that insects, they're just going to avoid that plant. They're like, oh, I'm going to go find a weak one. This one's too healthy for me. To Don's point on the refractometer, it is uh, elegantly simple. There's no electricity to it, very few moving parts, about six inches long, uh, super easy to use when you buy one for about 30, 25 to $30, depending on where yeah, you get it. Up to $125. Yeah. You will get a document that uh, delineates from poor to excellent bricks on all the major crops. They give you a guide as to you know what the highest quality corn is, uh, sweet corn, and what what's the lowest quality, or a cabbage, or, or things like that. So it's an excellent field tool to use. And Don makes a, an interesting point about the aphids in a particular spot in the field. It's because that that area is stressed. So Don's analogy of the lion on the Serengeti, they can't catch the healthiest impalas or wildebeest. They can only catch the infirm. The same is true of a shark in the ocean. So this is about, if we really boil it down, we might think about our uh, childhood years of biology class. This is about Darwinian evolution. This is about survival of the fittest. And the predators in whatever environment that is, pest or ocean or plains, are there to take the weak link out of the reproductive cycle. And of course, we all know that the reproductive cycle in crops is putting on fruit. Yes. And I can agree more with you by saying it's easy. 
you know, it's something you can keep in your pickup truck. You just, you know, of course, you're going to want it rattling around. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a simple tool. And I find it something that lets you be proactive instead of reactive, which is absolutely essential in organics. Like you said, you don't want to call like 911. What's your emergency? Help. I have an infestation. How can this formula be something that helps me as an organic farmer be proactive to preventing this? So you make a really interesting point. I'll let Don go there, but I just want to make one quick point. Mature plants have a stated BRICS value in writing, either on the internet or in, or in different publications when you buy a refractometer. We here at Earth, we do a lot of work on uh, in greenhouses for plugs for commercial growing. So we start actually taking BRICS readings when the plants are immature. Now, Ted, there's no stated BRICS for an immature blueberry plant or a blackberry or cornstalk. But we're always looking for that relative change where our treated bricks will be two and the untreated bricks will be one. Well, that's a 50% difference. The product can be applied through any industrial spray rig, tractor operation, backpack. It can be flown on. We've done that a number of times. We have to use a little bit more product just for the evaporation rates. Any system that can do a proper foliar application of the product works very well on that. You want to touch base on the brick side? Sure. I think your question, if I remember correctly, was how do you do this in a preventative way? Yes. Okay. So basically, you can just apply it before you think you might need it. And once you're putting out these foods you're going to get responses that are going to keep your plant healthy. And if you have that healthy plant, you're much less likely to see the pest and disease pressure, whether, you know, it could be a soil borne organism or airborne, could be a fungus, it could be an insect pest. So lots of different ways, but using it proactively, much the same way that people might be applying their fertilizers at many times throughout the growing season, not just once when they plant, put the seed in, right? It's much more effective if you spread it out over time rather than just put it all in initially and hope that some of it gets to the plant. So this is just something that you can do depending on your crop, the length of that crop cycle. You might be applying it weekly. You might be applying it every two weeks, maybe even every three weeks. It really depends a little bit on the crop itself. We all know that the greatest environmentalists are the people out in the audience. You know, they're out there and it's you. You're out there every single day walking fields in the weather and observing your crops and things like that. So the farms we work with in pretty short order, they can actually see what's going on with the application of the product. I I just think it's, it's fascinating. And I like that you have good examples on how to bring it bring it to perspective. And I know I usually tend to think of it in like organic regenerative types because that's the farming method I'm choosing for. But it sounds like this is something that would work in a conventional growing method as well. And if I were conventional, what would happen? What would this replace or how would this interact or be involved in my normal production system? We have a couple uh, mid-sized distributors here in the Western United States that are using it on conventional farms. And so they're actually mixing it in the tank with other products. So you know, if we're lucky enough to be invited back on, we'd love to talk about our microbial fertilizers and our other products. This is not alive. There's no microbes in this. So it can live in a tank with other products. And that's what the conventional folks are really doing 
and it is clearly a lot less toxic because there is no toxicity. There is no reentry time. You can apply it right up to, to harvest. And it also is feeding the plants. So they're looking at it as, as that two for two. If I, can knock, if I can knock some spider mites down, feed the plant, I'm gonna, and I can reduce some of my pesticide uh, usage, then it's a win-win for me. Our experience here is that the predatory pests are becoming extraordinarily immune to conventional pesticide usage. Go figure. I mean, Mother Nature has kind of figured it out, drives us all crazy. And these pesticides are extraordinarily expensive. Men and women that are farming that we work with are, you know, having to mix a, a couple products together to try to do or have the effect that one product did five, 10 years ago. So if they can reduce in, in some ways, you know, we all know that the cost of pesticides can far exceed the cost of fertilizers. Yeah. And I'd like to throw in one more analogy there, which is we've got a comparison between antibiotics and probiotics. And I just think it's, it's really valuable to, to think of a lot of these things that we put out there are designed to kill things. And you can put out things that do that, but you're not solving the problem. Whereas if you go the probiotic approach, you're putting out things that are going to make a healthier system so that you don't have the symptoms anymore, right? You're not going to get the pest. That to me is a better way of, of looking at the issue. It's not that, you know, obviously there's going to be situations where, yes, it's cost-effective, economical to make a pesticide application, right? but it's going to be oftentimes better to never have the pest outbreak in the first place. I would add this too. Our experience has been, if you have, a, let's say, a 100-acre block and your conventional ground and you want to apply ProTech on five of the 100 acres, it's pretty darn hard for ProTech to hold its ground against pesticides when 95 acres, where you have a lot of acreage surrounding that five acres, is using conventional products and little ProTech has a hard time holding it. So you got to do enough to try to help it a little bit. So what would you recommend? I mean, is there a starting point? Quite a few of your uh, audience is organic. So that's a wonderful opportunity there. We're not coating the leaves with oils and things like this. We are feeding the plant. I think that they will see results in a fairly expeditious manner. So you could see it in a couple weeks easily. Like Don said, we do like to start early and uh, are a little preventative. We have had farms do it with an electrostatic sprayer at two ounces, and we've gone all the way up to 20 ounces where we've flown it on for alfalfa and things like that. If anybody has a question, they can always give us a call here at Earth. I'm often on the road. Don's available to chat, and we're happy to help anybody with any questions. That would be really nice. And I know to give some farmers to get some feedback, get people to try some things out. You guys are also offering a promotion to people today. Yeah. And the first 10 folks that are tuning in will ship a free gallon. That's 128 ounces and at 14 ounces an application of spray, they can 
apply it to a, a fair amount of ground. Oh, that's really cool. And I know there's so many things that we talked about today that people might want to know more about. We've set up a page on our website for them to be able to reach out to be those first 10 farmers to basically receive that free product. If you guys go to the website, yieldorganic.com forward slash pro dash tech, T-E-C-H. So that's yieldorganic.com forward slash protech. Give it a try. Check it out. We want to hear what your results and what your feedback is. Tell us more. Tell us more about your experience. Lou and Don, I appreciate you guys being here so much. Is there anything else that you would want listeners to know or be familiar with? Don't be bashful. Give us a call. Come in <laughs> through Yield Organic and, uh, and give us a holler. We're here to help. And we do it all day, every day with the folks we work with right now. So any way we can support the process, this is about building the organic footprint. This is about supporting family farms. This is about increasing profitability, which we all need to do on the farming front because it's so important as we look forward. And then, as we all know, moving slowly in the direction of regenerative ag. Because at the end of the day, regenerative ag, that's where profitability explodes. If you can get the organic material up in your ground to a level of, you know, Don and I think of ranges, maybe three, three and a half percent, you're going to start regenerating the microbes in that, in that soil. That's a big feet sometimes to get it up to that level, to keep the ground covered. Once you start regenerating a diverse group of microbial life, then extraordinary things can happen. And that's on the crop side. As Don often talks about, every 1% increase in SOM, soil organic material, can equate to 17 to uh, 22,000 gallons of water holding capacity per acre. So in the Western United States, we can have more storage. And in the Eastern United States, we can have more absorption. So it's a three-dimensional effect if we can go there. And quite honestly, if people can achieve that regenerative ag, then they never have to talk to us. Brilliant. And I couldn't agree, you know, building organic matter, it sounds, Dawn, like that's your passion as well. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I just like people to really look at the entire system because everything works, as you had mentioned, that everything's interconnected. There's all these different cycles that are all tied together, whether it's the water cycle, the nitrogen cycle, the carbon cycle, all these things are, are just interdependent on each other. And when you start to understand the whole system and that photosynthesis drives everything and that you really have to get those photosynthates from the plant roots into the soil to feed that biology and anything you can do to help that process, you're going to start sucking carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it into the soil. And that's really the goal. And plants do better when there's more carbon in the soil because some of that carbon is going to leave the soil and as CO2, which plants need to grow. So it's just, you know, it's, it's all cycling around and we just need to be cognizant of how all these cycles interconnect. And if we pay attention to that, we're going to end up with healthier produce, higher yields, and everybody wins. And we'll, we'll get away from the just yield is the only thing that we're measuring and it's going to be, I think, coming soon, it's going to be really important, not just yield, but also quality. And farmers are going to start getting paid for higher quality. And that's going to be a real game changer. 
Well, this is all about the bottom line. And if we can help contribute to the increase in the bottom line, it's a win-win for everybody. And I know I'd love to have you guys back because we have so much more to talk about. <laughs> because, yeah, that is the future. That is the way that things are headed as far as buying you know, quality over quantity. So it's not just about the yield. And buyers are starting to look at that. So as farmers, we always look for that product differentiation on, you know, what makes us different from somebody else. We're not just a commodity. Well, guys, here, here's one of the ways to do that. So be one of those first 10 farmers. Fill out the form at yieldorganic.com forward slash protech and let us know what you think. And like I said, it might raise more questions than we might have answered today or you want a more in-depth conversation. The best way to get to Don's contact information if you're on that Yield Organic website page is to go ahead and fill out that form and request some information. That way, Don has the ability to get his contact information out to you and reach out and make that connection and provide the information you're probably seeking. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Taya. God bless. Thank you. Absolutely. This is a great opportunity to look at farming from a different lens. And we want to bring these opportunities out to farmers as being part of the Organic Advocate. Thank you so much, listeners, for being part of this podcast. You can always connect with us on Facebook forward slash Yield Organic and on Twitter at Yield Organic. If you have any questions about Yield Organic, you can also reach us on Twitter using hashtag Organic Advocate. We look forward to hearing from you. To stay connected, don't forget to go to our website and also sign up for the Organic Advocate newsletter, where we keep you up to date on organic events across the United States and what we've been up to in trending topics in agriculture today. Sign up. It's free. If you'd like to be a guest on the Organic Advocate or connect with us, please reach out to us on Facebook forward slash Yield Organic and on Twitter at Yield Organic. Keep tuning in.